Welcome to Making Footprints, Not Blueprints, a regular podcast about matters philosophical and religious. My name is Andrew James Brown, and despite being myself an atheistically inclined freethinker, I'm also the minister to the Unitarian Church in the city of Cambridge, UK. The title of this podcast is borrowed from the philosopher Herbert Fingeret, who, in his book, The Self in Transformation, offered us studies that were outcomes rather than realised objectives, which were offered to the reader as an encouragement to make intellectual footprints, not blueprints. This podcast tries to proceed in a similar fashion and takes seriously an insight of the poet A.R. Ammons, who felt that true human freedom only comes when we have understood that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely, and that, therefore, and thankfully, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. Welcome to this week's New Walk. What learning to play jazz can tell us about the need for a liberal religious discipline? Every so often I get asked about the last line in a paragraph which appears towards the end of the liturgy surrounding the time of mindfulness meditation I currently lead every Sunday morning on Zoom. I originally put together this religious naturalist liturgy some six years ago for use in the Cambridge Unitarian Church's evening service and the words in question were written by a friend, co-author and colleague of mine, the now-retired American Unitarian Universalist minister, John Morgan. They read as follows. Quote, and in the end it will not matter how much we have, rather how much we have given. It will not matter how much we know, but rather how much we love. And it will not matter how much we profess to believe, but rather how deeply we live the few enduring truths we claim as ultimate. All the rest is discipline. Unquote. That last line, all the rest is discipline, can puzzle or even disturb many modern liberals, because discipline has become narrowly understood only to mean something externally imposed upon a person, which will severely limit their freedom and openness to the world. This painfully attenuated understanding of the word is, I think, well illustrated by the fact that on the website of the American Unitarian Universalist Association, John Morgan's paragraph has not only been significantly rearranged overall, but it has also lost the last line altogether. Hmm... All this serves to remind me that, as far as I'm concerned, one of the great tragedies of the, alas, ever-declining liberal religious tradition is that it has forgotten that the freedom and openness to the world it desires for its members and bring about for others is not something fully formed and accessible at a person's birth, nor is it something which can immediately be possessed after merely intellectually adopting certain off-the-shelf liberal beliefs, but instead it is something only very slowly made 
and then daily embodied over the course of a whole lifetime by following some liberal religious discipline. The best way I have of illustrating this in an accessible non-religious and even perhaps attractive terms is through music. As many of you will know, before I entered the ministry I worked professionally as a jazz and rock bassist and, at least before the Covid-19 pandemic and Brexit decimated the British music scene, I still occasionally found time and opportunity to play, record and teach music. My two key early role models in learning how to play jazz, a music characterised, remember, by its own kind of freedom and openness to the world, were, on the double bass, Chuck Israels, especially his bass playing in the trios led by the pianist Bill Evans between 1961 and 1966, and, on the electric bass, Steve Swallow, especially his playing with the John Schofield trio in the very early 80s. The moment I heard Israel's and Swallow's playing, a passion was ignited within me, and I finally had in sight, or rather in earshot, clear models I wanted to imitate, which would eventually help me to become a jazz bass player myself. Following his time with Bill Evans, Israel's went on to become a respected teacher, and in an essay called An Unpopular Perspective on Jazz Education, it's now up on his website, he summarised an experience many of us working in the field of jazz education have had. Quote, Over the years, as I have assumed the role of jazz educator, both within and outside of institutions of higher learning, I have learned to ask of students a revealing question. Who is your favourite musician? It is remarkable that, more often than not, I get no clear answer. There is sometimes a period of uncomfortable silence broken by occasional throat-clearing noises, while the prospective student searches for a name, or perhaps tries to guess what name might create the most effective impression. Sometimes an embarrassed silence yields nothing, and occasionally there is an equally uncommitted claim to have listened to and liked everything. Unquote. Like Israel's, every year I would find a number of such students standing before me. So what was going on here? Well, despite the obvious negative aspects of this state of affairs, Israel's believes, and I agree with him, that most students are at least motivated by something very worthwhile, namely the idea of the potential pleasures of performing with and for other people, with the attendant rewards of attention and shared activity. And, of course, with the desire to experience a certain kind of musical freedom and openness through improvisation. These are, he notes, quote, worthwhile values and have served as part of the motivation of many artists. But this is a broad image which is insufficiently concrete to serve as a focus for attainment. There is no clear place to begin, and the mentor is reduced to helping the applicant to find something to love. Get a model. Find a prototype. Without this, there is no image and no passion. Unquote. After 21 years of ministerial experience, 
I know intimately that most people who find their way to the Cambridge Unitarian Church are also motivated by many worthwhile things. For example, the belief that here they might be able to gain a sense of mental and spiritual stability and insight, a sense of belonging to a liberal religious community with a venerable 450-year-old radical and progressive history, and lastly, but not leastly, the hope that here they will be helped to develop, in conversation and exploration with others, a personal, creative, confident and improvisational religious freedom and openness towards our wonderful, plural, complex and contingent world. But as good as all these things are, they form such a broad canvas that alone they are wholly insufficient to serve as a focus for attainment. Consequently, as a liberal religious minister, I quickly came to realise my primary role was simply to offer up to people certain liberal religious images, prototypes or models, whom they could love and about whose example they could become passionate. In the case of my music students, I introduced them to some classic jazz or rock recordings and then, when they finally find a particular bass player they actually like, we can begin to get going by imitating that model in a disciplined way, so as to figure out how he or she is playing the things they are. To the disappointment of many of my students, this discipline turns out to be harder work than they imagined, and so, every so often, I had gently to remind them that this is why they needed role models about whose playing they were truly excited because without such an energising or motivational image and genuine passion, what was already a hugely challenging task quickly becomes far too difficult to see through to the end. Again and again I saw that when they remained without an image and a passion, my students continued to be directionless players who could get no deep or substantial grip on how actually to play jazz or rock themselves. At best they went on to become mediocre players, or, at worst, to become players who only experienced constant feelings of frustration, disappointment and failure. Now it seems to me all that I've just said about jazz is also true in liberal religious circles. Any person who enters into a liberal religious community but who then, either due to the fault of the community itself or their own personal unwillingness, fails to find, follow and imitate in a disciplined and passionate way a liberal religious prototype or model of what that faith in action looks and feels like, will never get a grip on what it is actually to become a liberal religious person themselves. In short, everything will remain for them terribly unfocused and unfulfilling. There will be no attainment and no progression. At best, they will be mediocre in the matter of living a liberal religious life. At worst, they will experience feelings of utter frustration, disappointment and failure. In the liberal religious context of the Cambridge Unitarian Church, and indeed the Unitarian tradition more widely, the two classic overlapping models or prototypes unashamedly on offer are, as this blog and podcast series has made clear in various ways, the human Jesus and Socrates. As I'm sure you realise, I stress the adjective human attached to the name of Jesus 
because it's important for me to be clear that I am not talking about the God-man of Christianity, but, as the contemporary atheist Julian Baggini says in his new book, The Godless Gospel, I'm talking about a fully human, moral teacher whose words amount to a purposeful and powerful philosophy which has much to teach us today. Of course, it is true that there are other religious and philosophical models or prototypes a person might follow other than Jesus and Socrates. And it's important to say here that I'm not making some claim for their absolute uniqueness and value over all other great religious and philosophical teachers. That would be nonsense. All I am saying is that one has to start somewhere. And the liberal religion and philosophy on offer in the context of the Cambridge Unitarian Church, where I am minister, simply starts with the human Jesus and Socrates. However, in the same way that after seriously imitating Chuck Israels and Steve Swallow for a few years, I began to explore aspects of the playing of dozens of other bass players, it is both possible and highly desirable that a person who has actually got going as a liberal religious person by imitating the human Jesus and Socrates then goes on to explore something of the work and examples of other religious and philosophical teachers. Nevertheless, despite all the foregoing words, I am fully aware that some religious liberals will continue to seek to resist the basic message of this piece because of a fear that such a disciplined, concentrated process of imitation of one or two primary religious and philosophical figures is actually illiberal and in the end will only serve to tie a person down and dangerously limit their freedom and openness to the world. But I hope you can intuit, and perhaps even directly glimpse, that the disciplined and passionate imitation of a model only ties down and represses when the model followed is understood as being something merely slavishly to be repeated ad infinitum without any variation or play, and according to certain orthodox rules, creeds, beliefs, and predetermined endpoints. But, as Gilles Deleuze realised, in truth, repetition always produces difference. The disciplined, repeated imitation of role models is always potentially capable of radically freeing us, because it is only through this process of firstly imitating something tangible that a person is enabled genuinely to push out into the world in the first place. Only then, with increasing confidence at the basic efficacy of the models being imitated, can a person slowly begin to take the risk of going beyond the models to test and experience reality themselves at first hand. And then, miracle of miracles, in certain special moments a person can discover genuinely new possibilities of being and acting in the world that help them become the unique, nuanced beings they are and ever wish still to become as they walk the pathway of life. To pick up a line of the poet A.R. Ammons from the regular introduction to this podcast, it is precisely this discipline which ensures that tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. 
To my music students, I try to make it clear that it was only by, in the first instance, engaging in a repeated disciplined imitation of Chuck Israels and Steve Swallow that I was able to learn how to move from a vague idea or theory about how to play jazz to actually playing jazz myself, as me. By extension, when I then go on to play for my students, I can also show that, despite all my disciplined attempts at imitating Chuck Israels and Steve Swallow, I don't, and never could, sound exactly like them, but only like me, Andrew Brown, whose double bass playing you hear a snippet of in the theme tune to this podcast. What is true in the world of jazz is also true in the world of liberal religion. And in my ministry here in Cambridge, I try to make it clear that it is only by, in the first instance, engaging in a disciplined imitation of some basic liberal religious models that people who belong to this community have been, and I hope still are, able to learn how to move from a vague idea or theory about how to be a liberal religious person to actually being a genuinely free and open liberal religious person themselves with all their own distinctive individual demeanours and styles of walking the liberal religious path of life. As I have already indicated, in my opinion, liberal religion's tragedy has been to forget this and to have started thinking that the freedom and openness to the world valued by it is either something which passively and naturally flourishes without any kind of educational discipline and repetition in play, either in our own lives or those of our children, or alternatively, it is some kind of off-the-shelf, one-time purchasable lifestyle product that requires no lifelong discipline to come into and remain in being. Because of this, modern liberal religion has all too often become fatally shallow, sloppy and ill-disciplined. And it is no wonder it is declining, because for the most part, it simply doesn't any longer offer people a lifelong religious and philosophical discipline to follow that will actually gift a person with a sense of attainment and so help them into the living of an actual confident liberal religious life characterised by genuine freedom and openness to the world. So my final plea to any liberal religious listeners out there is please, please, please heed Chuck Israel's words to his students and make sure you and your local religious community has on offer basic models and prototypes and that you are prepared to encourage and embody a passionate imitation of them. Because without offering ourselves or the world such a living liberal religious discipline, it's really all over bar the shouting, or what is more likely, all over by the long, sullen silence of disappointment and failure. So let me now end where I began, with the words of my friend John Morgan. And in the end it will not matter how much we have, rather how much we have given. 
It will not matter how much we know, but rather how much we love. And it will not matter how much we profess to believe, but rather how deeply we live the few enduring truths we claim as ultimate. All the rest is discipline. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path. Thank you again for listening to the Making Footprints, Not Blueprints podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and each new podcast will be delivered to your device as soon as it is released. Also, if you'd like to join the conversation, please feel free to comment on the blog or come along to the occasional live online discussions which take place on Wednesday evenings at 7.30pm GMT. Anyone is invited to ask questions and make comments on the issues discussed in the podcast. You can find all the necessary links in the episode notes. We look forward to talking with you then.